What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This portion of Grassroots Marketing on location on Cannabis Radio is presented by Norick Risk. Creating unique insurance solutions for the hemp and cannabis industry is a passion of Norick Risk. Rooted in over 100 years experience, placing custom extra large insurance programs worldwide. Learn more at N-O-R-I-C-K-Risk.com. CannabisRadio.com presents Grassroots Marketing on Location, featuring exclusive one-on-one interviews with those impacting and evolving the cannabis industry. Now, let's go on location to the 2016 NCIA Cannabis Business Summit in Oakland, California. Welcome back, everyone. Radical Russ here live in Oakland at the Cannabis Summit. And we've got Kimberly Sims here from the law offices of Kimberly Sims. Hello, Kimberly. Hi, Russ. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. And it's great to have you here. It's just amazing how big this industry has become in, in, in such a short time. You've been involved for a long time with this. Tell us your reaction to this, just seeing so much investment and industry going on here. Oh, wow. I mean, I love it. So, you know, when we sat down just a few minutes ago, I mentioned that I first met you probably five years ago, maybe six years ago at at a normal legal conference. And at that time, there were maybe like, I don't know, a hundred cannabis lawyers, and most of them really were criminal defense attorneys. And, right. you know, thank God we, we really don't need those kinds of services all too often anymore. It's still happening from time to time, but we've just seen such a wonderful evolution of this industry. I think it's great. The actors are more sophisticated. They're more tuned in. They're hungry for information. They're hungry for compliance and hungry for change. What's that transition like for you and your colleagues coming from social justice and criminal justice issues and having to move into a more corporate and business-oriented law? Well, I've actually only ever done the corporate business transactional side. I think it's important that the corporate cannabis attorneys have a really robust understanding of what the criminal cases look like. Because when we're drafting our, our documents, we need to make sure that if in the worst case scenario, there is some sort of raid or criminal trial that your documents are demonstrative of 
compliance with California cannabis laws. But, you know, there is sort of this undercurrent at this conference about the social justice movement and how MRSA, the Medical Marijuana Regulation and Safety Act, which is the the newly passed statewide licensing system for medical cannabis here in California, and of course, Adult Use of Marijuana Act, which is on the, the ballot for November, how it you know, disproportionately favors the traditional white male investor. And mm-hmm. I've been lucky enough to really always have a diverse group of clients, but it definitely in the beginning was more male dominated, white male dominated. But what I have loved to see personally is how many more women clients I'm getting. And that's yes. super exciting for me. And I think you have a lot of important people that are speaking and shedding light on how we can make sure that we include minorities in this industry and addressing some of the negative implications of the war on drugs, basically meaning that marijuana use across the board is pretty much the same for white, Hispanic, and black men. Mm -hmm. But obviously we see this disproportionate arrest rate for black and Hispanic men. And what we need to really make sure of is that the legislation that's getting passed doesn't prohibit people that have been prosecuted and gone to jail for for cannabis crimes being shut out of the industry. And I think that that was addressed in several panels I attended and, and how we can work together to make sure that those wrongs are at least somewhat righted. And right here in Oakland, they've moved forward with a licensing scheme that says we're going to give more licenses to places that were disproportionately policed and 15% to minorities, people of color. Is that something that you think is possible to spread to Southern California where you are working? Well, so I will say there are such grave differences between Northern California and Southern California and the evolution of the industry. I like to often say in Northern California, you do have a cannabis industry and a cannabis community. Whereas in Southern California, you have little siloed pockets of industry and community, but there isn't really that we don't have that overall industry feel. I don't, mm. I, and I think that's in large part because you have very few cities and counties that have enacted local licensing. And so still a little bit more of that wild, wild west feel. But to your question, you know, I've been following what's going on in Oakland. And I think it's really interesting, but very controversial in this sort of equity program that they've passed. I think that the hiring requirements are wonderful. And I would love to see other cities and counties enact something like that where you need to have a certain percentage of uh, local and minority employees. I think that's fantastic. I love that. But the other part of the land use and zoning ordinance that was passed basically requires like a one-to-one ratio of, of licenses for minority businesses. For every non-minority business, there you know first must be approved a minority business. And I think it's a really well-intentioned move. But I think practically speaking, it may not really work Mm -hmm. because, again, you have minority business owners are are few and far between because of some of the, again, these social justice issues that we've just talked about. And you still have the, you know, I'm looking around even just just now and you basically like old white dudes that are Mm -hmm. walking by and no disrespect to them, but those are the investors. And so access to those kinds of relationships still are not really where we need to be. So I just think the practical implication is going to actually slow down the licensing. And I know Supernova Women came out actually trying to say like, hey, it's a good try, but there's going to be some unintended consequences of that. So I would love to see that readdressed and I would first primarily like to see this 
the cities and counties in Southern California just begin with a common sense regulation approach before we get into some of these more detailed nuances. And we can't, this discussion of how we engage the minority communities can't happen until you have local licensing for yeah. businesses. <laughs> until, until anybody is right. licensed. Right, it's like right? a little bit of a cart before the horse. But, but I think I applaud Oakland for being aware and cognizant of this issue. But I do think that the efforts are a little bit misplaced and you know even the minority cannabis business owners that I've chatted with have said we're not really sure this is what we want either so yeah. it's it's kind of interesting it's it's definitely something to keep an eye on for sure to see how it all unfolds yeah we've got to get the local licensing happening in southern california because you can't measure disproportionality because you can't divide by zero right there has to be some licenses there, ha- there are pockets like the city of san diego has 13 or 14 licensed dispensaries and okay. it took us a really super long time to get that in place but we have those so and then you've got a lot of the the desert cities that are doing a great job of implementing cultivation and some dispensary licenses as well like let's not leave out cathedral city let's make sure that desert hot springs and coachella valley and those cities adelanto let's make sure they get their props because they're doing some really great things but by and large they are the exception to the rule mm. So I was fortunate to be in Washington, D.C. when Orange County's Dana Rohrbacher came out as being a user of a medical cannabis product, a a topical for his uh, shoulder pain. Has that had any effect on on people in Orange County? Is he losing support for that? Is that something you've paid attention to? I mean, I think every time we have an elected official come out of the cannabis closet is a huge step forward. But as far as the local politics go, I don't really think it's had any impact Orange County and San Diego County are a mess. Yeah. They really are. They really just cannot pull it together. And it's such a shame, right? Because at least in San Diego, you know, we're so innovative. We have heavy biotech. We have so much talent. We have border relations. Like, yes, yes. come on. What What is going on? And, you know, if I hear one more San Diego politician say how progressive and forward-thinking they are, but then not want to address the cannabis elephant in the room... I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> like, you're really not that progressive then because this is the now topic and it's happening, right? Yeah. You know, like the train has left the station. It's time to it's time to regulate. And we all know that a ban is not a solution. Yeah. It's not like you pass a ban and then all of a sudden, huzzah, there are no more cannabis <laughs> businesses in your jurisdiction. You, you know, so it's it's sort of like, for some reason on the topic of cannabis policy, even the most well-versed, knowledgeable politicians like lose all common sense. It's yeah. kind of crazy. You know, Peter Christ from Leap once said that uh, the first ban was instituted by an all-powerful god over one fruit for two people, and that didn't work. Right? <laughs> right? What do you expect yours <laughs> yeah, is going to work? Yeah. You know, as far as the train leaving the station and this being the new industry, the 21st century industry, uh, you mentioned earlier uh, women getting involved with this, and I, I heard some statistic about our industry still not being 50-50, but being so much better than the mainstream. Talk to that and a little bit about your uh, involvement with Women Grow. Yeah, absolutely. So U.S. Newsweek did a really fantastic article maybe a little over a year ago or roughly a year ago that basically positioned that the cannabis industry is poised to be the first industry where female CEOs and leaders of companies will be more than 50%. And I think we're well on the way. And I think that 
we owe that in large part to Women Grow. So Women Grow is a national organization that was started by a woman named Jane West, again, about maybe a year and a half ago out of Denver. And it was created to connect, empower, educate, inspire female cannabis entrepreneurs in the cannabis space. And I think that what we're seeing is there's so much opportunity in the cannabis space that a lot of women see it as an opportunity to really create their own path and take whatever other traditional professional skills they have but apply it to the cannabis industry on their own terms and in their own way and start their own companies and build them from the ground up. And also, you know, women make the healthcare decisions for their household. So we really are well positioned to make all the difference in this space. And we vote. We yeah. vote a lot. Through Women Grow, I've met so many wonderful cannabis entrepreneurs. And I always like to point out what men are also welcome at Women Grow. If you support women in the cannabis space, then you are more than welcome to join us at Women Grow. There are 35 chapters now, maybe even more, within the country. And they, we all meet usually the first Thursday of every month for a signature networking event. And I just think it's it's really great. You know, the way that women network with one another, I find to be very different than the way men and women interact or two groups of men interact. It's just much more collaborative. And it's a greater sense, I feel, of, hey, these are the resources I have. What are the resources you have? And how can we collaborate it's not to say there's no no competition. Of course there is. But it's just much more of a collaborative feel and understanding how we can all work together. Whereas I do feel like when I network with men, it's like, hey, nice, nice to meet you. What do you do? And 15 minutes later, I've heard about every accolade and trophy they've won since they're five. Like, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I was looking for, I'm a cannabis attorney or I'm in the insurance industry. And again, women, it's just much more of a, of a conversation. And we are all looking at how we can help one another excel. You know, I, I placed third in my city spelling bee as a kid. Well, that's important. Yeah, isn't it? Thank God for spell check for me. <laughs> I'm a woman of many talents, spelling not that's one of not them. <laughs> Kimberly, let's tell folks how they can get in touch with you. If you've got a Facebook or a, a website you want to tell people about, maybe yeah. Women Grow as well. Absolutely. Well, Women Grow, just go to www.womengrow.com and you can sign up for their mailing list. I definitely encourage everyone to do that. They're really, I mean, NCIA is wonderful, CCIA is wonderful, but I, I think starting San Diego's Women Grow chapter has truly been one of the major highlights of my professional careers thus far. Um, if you want to get in touch with me directly, you can always call me at 760-420-1846. You can also check out my website, www.simslaw.com. I've got a Facebook page, The Law Office of Kimberly R. Sims, and Sims Law on Instagram and Twitter. And reach out, ask your questions. I love to talk cannabis, law, and politics. Fantastic. Kimberly Sims here at the uh, Cannabis Business Summit in Oakland. Thanks for joining us and good luck with everything. Yeah, thanks so much, Russ. Great to see you again. All right. We'll be back with more after these brief messages. Thank you for listening to this edition of Grassroots Marketing on location, only on CannabisRadio.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.